right, I want to welcome you back to our series called Crosswords. And we've been looking each week uh, at a word that just tells us something about the cross and what Jesus accomplished on that cross. And today I want to continue that series. I want to invite you to go ahead and take your sermon outlines out if you're a, if you're a sermon note taker and you can track along with us. We'll throw everything up on the screen for those of you who just are auditory learners and you just want to sit and listen. That's fine too. But I want to look at a passage, an extraordinary passage of scripture in Luke chapter 22. And by the way, we have Bibles in the pews in front of you, and those Bibles are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, please feel free to take one. If you have a friend or someone else who needs one, take, feel free to take one for them. Uh, just note they are in English and Spanish. Just make sure you get the right version that you want. Okay? Look at what Luke says, um, how, how he writes this story in Luke chapter 22. It says that when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him, Jesus, to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And here's what Jesus said. Would you read it out loud with me? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Would you read that again? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I'll read the rest of it. And the, angel, and the angels and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. You know, when I, when I was reading that, uh, the story this week, I, I was trying to imagine myself offering forgiveness to a group of people who have just betrayed me, uh, unjustly accused me, uh, beat me, spit on me, mocked me, and now have nailed me to a cross and I can feel the life draining from my body and saying to them, Father, or praying out loud, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they were doing. How many of you, come on, let's be honest, how many of you think you might be struggling to forgive at that point? Yeah, yeah. But if the cross is about anything, it's about forgiveness. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, for those of you who uh, are kind of like the background stories on this. Luke, Luke is the only gospel writer who uh, refers to these things that are said here. Um, he's the only one that notes these words from Jesus. And that's not really unusual because Luke had a keen eye and keen ear for people who were far from God. If you read Luke's Gospels, you'll find a few unique features about it. You'll find that his is the only Gospel that tells the story of the prodigal son, the, the boy who ran so far from home and, and came back. Uh, his is the only Gospel that includes the story of the Good Samaritan. His is the only gospel that tells the story of Zacchaeus who came down from the tree and, and Jesus went home with him and nobody could believe Jesus was seen with this vile sinner. But Luke had just zeroed in on why Christ came from heaven to earth. It's because we were a sinful people in need of forgiveness. And all throughout Luke's gospel, he's all about trying to help us understand that God's forgiveness is open to all. Amen. And that's what I, I want to talk about today. I, I want to talk about it in, in kind of two different uh, parameters of the forgiveness that, that God offers. First, here's what I want to start with on your outline. The cross was God's provision for forgiveness. The cross was God's 
provision for forgiveness. Uh, the, the Bible says that when, when Adam sinned, sin came into mankind and, and all of us were separated from God. And, and now there was this debt that we owed God. Uh, when, you, when you look at how God reveals himself, he reveals himself as both grace and truth, as both mercy and justice. And so on the cross, what you see is this perfect blend of that mercy and justice coming together where God is willing to offer forgiveness, but he himself paid the price for us so that we could be forgiven. That old hymn that we used to sing growing up, you know, what can take away my sin? Remember it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the cross, when, when you look at the cross, it's a constant reminder that this was the provision, this was the means by which God offered that forgiveness to the world. Look at these passages of Scripture, they're just fantastic. In Colossians 3, the Colossians writer said, but Christ has rescued us from the curse that was pronounced by the law. Read it with me. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. The curse that would have been upon us, he took upon himself and died there. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but we didn't have to die for it because Christ died in our place. First Peter 2, he says, read it with me. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. What an amazing verse. And finally, from Colossians chapter two, it says, because we broke God's laws, we owed a debt. Look at me. How many of you understand what it means to be in debt? Yeah. He says, we owed a debt, a debt that listed all the rules that we failed to follow. I'll read it with me. But God forgave us of that debt. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. Now, I want to I just sat down this week again with, the, with this idea of, of the cross being our provision. And I thought about a, a few things regarding that provision that I think are just really important for us to know. Are you ready? Let me give you, let me give you a few on your outline. First of all, that provision was exclusive. That provision was exclusive. In other words, there is no other way. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you remember this? Read, say it out loud with me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was God's way of making it clear to the world, this is how you become right with me. There are, you know, when people talk about, oh, there are lots of routes to heaven. No, there's not. God made a way. God made a route for us, and his name is Jesus, and he died on the cross. That is our provision, and it is exclusive. Um, when, we, when you look at Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were standing in front of the Jewish leaders, and they were you know, just really pushing back on this whole idea of them preaching Jesus, Peter says, you know, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone, basically, of all God is doing. Read this next part out loud with me. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we might be saved. 
You know, all around the world, people have this sense that there's something missing in their life. They have this sense of, of guilt, that some separation from, from us and, and whatever that God is out there. And Jesus was the bridge to build across that gap so that we might stand right before God. Let me, let me give you this. You throw that picture up on the screen for me. This is a, a 2023 Cadillac Escalade, uh, the V series. Uh, this car starts at about $150,000. Uh, this is actually what the board is getting me for Pastor Appreciation Week this, 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 this next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, say, let's say you had a, you, you were just out car shopping or maybe you were just, you just like one of those people who like to go look at new cars and you, and you walk out on this Cadillac lot, you see this car here and, and you can hear this car call you by name. Come to me. I'm your, how many of you have ever had a car do that? Yeah, they, you know, I, buy me. You know, you, and, and, and the salesman, the slick talking salesman comes up and he goes, would you like a vehicle? Oh, I'd love a vehicle like that. And, uh, and you, you say, but I don't know that I can afford it. Oh, of course you can. Come on, let me take you to the office. Just sign here. Yeah, how many of you have been down that road before? Just sign here. And so you, you know, you're so mesmerized by the car, you, you sign there. And then you drive it off the lot. And then... All of a sudden, you got these payments due, but you have no money. And you're going, I can't pay for this, but maybe it's okay. Maybe they'll just let me have it. Yeah. How many of you think that's gonna happen? You know, and so, and so the dealership calls and they say, man, you're, you're not making your payments. And you go, yeah, I know, you know what, but, but I, I've been really good to this car. You know, I, I wash it every week and I vacuum out the inside and I, I take good care of this car. And they say, yeah, but you still have a debt. And you go, but you know what? I, I'm really good to other drivers. I'm a really nice person. I drive the car politely. I let people in, except at rush hour. I don't, I don't let people in, rush, but, but most of the time I, I let people in and they go, yeah, but you still have a debt. And you, and, and, they, and you say, yeah, but, <clears throat> you know, every, every week I go and visit the car lot where the car came from, and, 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 I, and I go and I, I look at the other car, and, and, and you say, yeah, but you still have a debt. Now, you got to get this, because this is the track that many people take. When we say, you know, are you right before God? And they say, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. That's great. But what about the debt? I'm nice to people. You know, I'm good. I'm good to my neighbors. That's great. But what about the debt? I go to church every single Sunday. That's great. But what about the debt? You see, somewhere along the way, you've got to solve the debt question. And here's the good news, folks. That question's already been answered for you. Jesus has already paid for that Cadillac that you want. You just have to open your heart to him to receive the life that he offers. Amen. You see, this cross, this forgiveness is exclusive. Can I give you another one? This is really good too. That provision on the cross was also, it was complete. It was complete. What does that mean? It means no sin is too great. Say that out loud. No sin 
is too great. Say it again. No sin is too great. I saw this. It, it, this was so wild. I saw this in the news. This was really crazy. Throw that up on the screen. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, it's a balloon dog. It's, it's not hard, is it? Even Mark can figure that out. It's a balloon dog. <laughs> I got that one, Pastor. Yeah. Well, it's actually not a balloon dog. It's actually a porcelain sculpture of a balloon dog. Uh, there's a famous sculptor uh, named Jeff Koons who makes these. And uh, this one, uh, this recently was on display at the um, art fair in Miami, Florida. And um, as this woman, as people were walking by, it's, it's just a you know, really beautiful sculpture. As people were walking around, there was a woman who saw it. She wanted to know if it was really a balloon. And so she poked it. Throw that next picture up. And when she poked it, she knocked it off the table and this porcelain sculpture shattered. Now, that wouldn't be a big deal except that Jeff Koons, these sculptures are really pricey. In fact, he made one, a silver one. If you want to go online and check this out, it's a, a silver one of a rabbit with a carrot that sold, are you ready for this? For $91 million. I'm in the wrong business, I guarantee you that. I'm going back to making balloon animals. There you go. But, but, but this one, this was a cheap one. This one, this one was only like $42,000 for this one. Now, can you imagine this woman when she heard about the price tag on this thing? Oh, congratulations, you just bought, you know, this thing. Well, she couldn't afford it, of course not. But here's the great news. She didn't have to pay for it. They, they don't even mention her name in the article. They, you know, it was a dumb thing that she did. But it was all covered by insurance. That $42,000 was paid by someone else. Now look at me, I just want you to get this. Some of us have messed up that bad. You know, some of us, we look at our mistakes and say, hey, you know, that was a $10 mistake, that was a $20 mistake, that may be 100, maybe even $1,000. Come on, look at me. Some of us have made some $42,000 mistakes in our life. Some of us, come on, have not only sinned, we've sinned big. Oh, and you gotta get this, but it doesn't matter because God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Amen. You see, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how big your sin is. It doesn't matter how long you've committed it. It doesn't matter how long you've been there or what bad thing you've done. God's forgiveness pays the price for it all, no matter what that sin is. I, I love 1 John 1, 9 on your outline. Read it with me. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Circle that word all. He's able to cleanse from all. It's, it's, it's interesting how many times people struggling with guilt will say to me, you know, Pastor Steve, I want to believe God forgive me, but you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. I don't have to. I know what he did. And what he did was enough. Amen? No sin is too great. Let me give you a third one. That provision was also sufficient. It was sufficient. I mean, in other words, nothing can be added. Nothing can be added. Now, I grew up in a background of, of shame. Uh, I grew up uh, in a home where we just felt bad about everything. And some of you can relate to this. You're one of those people that shame has followed you through life too. And so, you know, when I messed up, I'm my own worst enemy. Can anybody relate to this? You know, I'm, I'm just, I, in fact, I saw this, I saw this little cartoon thing last week and I thought this is a perfect, perfect example. Throw it up on the screen. 
Anybody ever feel like that before? You know, you mess up and, you know, and, and you, you get this boot just kicking your own behind, you know, all, the, all, all around. And, that, and that's kind of how some of us want to do. And I've realized that this is some of what we want to do with God. That even when we come before God and we ask God's forgiveness, somehow we struggle to believe that God's forgiveness is, is great enough. And so we want to help God with that forgiveness. So we start making up things we think we need to do or hoops we need to jump through or ways we need to punish ourselves to make sure that we suffer for our sins. And you know what? You can't suffer for your sins and find forgiveness. There's one who has already suffered and that is enough. His grace is sufficient, What means you can't add anything to it. And I know some of us struggle with forgiving ourselves. I get that. But a part of the faith journey is not trusting in ourselves to be able to do enough to be forgiven, but trusting what God has done for us to be forgiven. I love what Hebrews says when he says, and, and when sins have been forgiven, read it with me, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Well, you'll notice when you look at the cross, there are two beams. There's a, a vertical beam that runs up and down, and that's really symbolic of the forgiveness that God offers us. But you'll, you'll notice there's a beam that goes across. And this is the part of forgiveness that I think is a lot more challenging for us. Because just like the cross was God's forgive, uh, provision for forgiveness, that the cross was also God's model for forgiveness. In other words, God wants us to forgive just in the same manner that we have been forgiven. Can we be honest for a moment? Not that I've been lying to you already this morning, but you know, when I thought about this, I thought of how funny it is. My favorite movies, I love action movies, you know, but my favorite movies are where the bad guys really get theirs. You know, you know where, where the bad guys do something and, you know, I'm like the Liam Neeson guy, you know, that I, I, want, him, I want him to come back and just tear those bad guys. I want, I want to get even. And I, I think for a lot of us, there's just a part of our human nature that we we, we like the idea of being forgiven, but we like the idea for other people of getting their due. You know what I'm saying? And we, and we just, we want to see people get theirs. I, I saw this last month. This is so crazy. I just thought this is, some of you may have already known this. This was just amazing. Throw that picture up on the screen. San Antonio Zoo, love this. They have a fundraiser every year in February. They've been doing this for a few years. It's called Cry Me a Cockroach. Now here's the deal. You can, for $10, uh, give uh, for a $10 donation to the San Antonio Zoo, they will name a cockroach after your ex. And then they will feed it to an animal. Some of you are going, can I get that address? That's for a $150 donation. They, they will not only name a cockroach after your ex and feed it to an animal, they'll video it and send you a copy of the video so that you can post it on social media. Now, I thought, here's a group of people who understand human nature. They get thousands of donations every year for, for this because like we, do, we just want to get them back. But what if getting them back doesn't set you free? 
What if there are not enough cockroaches in the world to satisfy the hurt in your heart? You see, the only way you and I find health and healing, Jesus knew this, was to forgive just like we've been forgiven. Look at the passage of scripture on your outline. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Read it with me. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Look at these. Matthew chapter 6. These are some of the hardest words for us to really accept and digest. This is in Matthew 6 in the context where Jesus gives the, the, the Lord's prayer. Here's what he says. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now read this next part out loud with me. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Just sit on that for a second. If you are willing to forgive, God will forgive you. But if you're not going to forgive, God will not forgive you. I, I didn't make this up. These are the words that Jesus said. And it's really important that we process and understand how important this is to God. From the very beginning, from cover to cover, this has been in place and we just miss it, that God has always been about love for him and love for one another. In the Old Testament, Jesus quotes this when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes on to say, and the second is equally important, and that's that you do what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, when, when we're talking about forgiveness, we have to understand that this vertical forgiveness that God gives us is important to him, but so is offering that forgiveness to those who need it. And can we just be honest for a second? That's a little bit more challenging. Now, I want to give you, I want to give you just a couple of, of thoughts and qualifiers with that. That's why I put this statement on your outline. We're not asked to pay forgiveness back, but we are required to pay it forward. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, this some forgiveness requires time. Now, we're not God. And so we can't forgive as well as God does this. But God is asking us to take a step in that direction. And here's the deal. I'm not going to minimize the offenses that have happened to some of us. I know some of you have been hurt deeply. And I know those wounds just don't magically go away. And so when we talk about forgiveness, we have to understand that some forgiveness, it just takes time. But today, are you willing to take a step of forgiveness? You see, forgiveness begins with the choice to forgive. I love when, when Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus said, well, that's a nice try, Peter, but <laughs> you know, how about 70 times seven? 490 times. Now, that's not necessarily 490 different sins. You see, for some of us, we've been hurt so badly by someone that we can take that step today and say, I choose to forgive. But then tomorrow morning when we get up, that offense may come back to our mind and we may have to tomorrow morning say, and I choose to forgive again today and the next day and the next day. For some of us, that 490 times is forgiving that person for that one thing over and over again until God has a chance to cleanse and heal our hearts. Some forgiveness 
just takes time. Here's another one, and some of you really need to hear this. Some forgiveness requires boundaries. Some forgiveness requires boundaries. When I talk about forgiving other people, one of the number one pushbacks I get are from people who say, Pastor Steve, I, I am not going to let this person back in my life. They, they, they abused me. They did things that uh, I can't even mention out loud. I, I cannot allow them back in my life. Look at me, and that's okay. There are some people in your life that are not safe. And I'm not asking you to let them back in your life. But I am going to ask you to let them go. Not for their sake, for yours. You see, you'll never be healed and whole until you begin to give forgiveness to those people you really don't want to forgive. You know, some people who are abusive, they're just abusive. They're toxic. And I'm not saying you need to let them be. There's a difference. Look at me. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And some people we need to forgive and we need to keep them at a distance. Some of us, um, you know, I grew up in a home of addiction and for those of us who have been around addicts in our life, sometimes we have to be able to forgive them, but we have to have boundaries. Um, you know, it's, it's, there, were, there were boundaries uh, along the way for us that, you know, I can forgive them for their behavior and even the ways that they have hurt me with their behavior, but I can't leave my children with them. That's a boundary I have because I'm, I'm the protector for my children. I can't give them money because I know when I give them money, I'm feeding their addiction. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes forgiveness comes with boundaries. And third, some forgiveness requires being forgiven. You see, some of us have a hard time forgiving because we've really never fully leaned into the forgiveness that God offers. And it's hard to give away what you've never received. You know, when Wanda and I got married, and um, we were living over here by OCCC when we came here as youth pastors back in 1981. And we, we made nothing <laughs> monetarily. We had very little money. But I could never say no to any kid that came to our door to buy stuff, that selling stuff. I bought candy, I bought whatever they were selling. I, I did that, even though we didn't really have any money. Why did I do that? Because I was a kid who grew up without anything. If I wanted to go to camp, I had to sell stuff to get there. If I wanted to go to a state youth convention or an international youth convention, I had, to, I had to sell candy or I had to sell Christmas cards or I had to sell magazines. The only, only way I ever got to do anything was to throw myself upon the good graces of people whose door I knocked on. And I just made a vow that one day when I became an adult, I'd give back what was given to me. You see, when you've, when you've received great grace, it just makes it a little easier to be able to give it away. Does that make sense to you? And for some of us, maybe the key in our forgiving other people has to do with really letting God forgive us. What a moment Rachel is going to uh, lead us in a song. And um, I've, I've got two ways 
um, that I'd like us to respond to this message today. After we sing this song through, we're going we're to receive communion and we're going to remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us and we're going to just invite that forgiveness of God to, to flow upon us because we need it. But I also want to give you an opportunity to take a step of forgiveness and forgiving someone else. Inside your worship folder, you'll notice there are cards look like this. It says, Lord, help me forgive. And I don't know who in your life you need to forgive. I don't know who along the way that has hurt you so badly that those scars remain. And, and maybe as I was talking today, God was just kind of nudging you going, you know, here's, here's someone you need to let go of. You need to forgive. You need to take a step at least towards setting that aside. And I want to invite you this morning um, to take just a little step of faith. And that is to, to write their name on that card, or maybe for some of us, it's more than one. It's a few people we need to forgive. And this invites you to come while we're singing and just lay them here at the foot of this cross with the little table where our cards are already there. I want you to do that. Now, look at me. Don't miss this. For some of us, what we need to write on our card is the word me. Lord, help me forgive me. And today, maybe you can take just a step forward in your journey by just asking God to help you quit making yourself pay for the stuff he's already forgiven. So we're gonna sing this song and you can go ahead and write those names and bring those forward while we sing. And at the end of the song, I'll say a prayer and we'll receive communion together. If you got something you wanna bring, go ahead and do that right now. I'm gonna invite you to take your communion cup if you would and tear off the little bottom part and take the wafer out and peel back the top if you've got the juice ready. You hold in your hands today a emblem, a symbol of the great forgiveness of God that he offers to you. This little wafer that represents the body of Christ that was broken this juice that represents blood that was spilled on your behalf. This was God's payment for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, Testelestai, which means it is finished. That same Greek phrase has been found on bills of sale from the first century that says, paid in full. Today, we thank God for what he did on our behalf. Lord, we come before you with humble hearts recognizing that we are not worthy of the love or the sacrifice that you have so freely offered. And yet today, Lord, we know that it is the bridge that you created that we might be right with you. Father, today we renounce every other way and we proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So today, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you wash over us with your grace and your mercy? Would you cleanse us from every sin in our life? Would you make us clean and righteous before you? Not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And Father, as we receive your spirit and we receive that forgiveness you give, Lord, would you help us to become conduits 
of that forgiveness. Help us to pass along the gift that you have so freely given, to forgive those people in our lives who have sinned against us. Lord, we love you and we confess we cannot do this without your help, without your strength, and without your grace. And it's in your holy name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen.